Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco Collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them and I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. talk about it we're going to talk about barking you guys ask me about barking all the time it is one of the most common reasons people contact trainers um and it also happens to be just a 100 normal dog behavior that newsflash dogs do not realize is annoying to people i remember when i said that to a client once about i don't know 10, 12 years ago, I was sitting in her kitchen and I said, understand that your dog has zero concept that this is annoying or irritating to you. And she was floored. (laughs) She was flabbergasted. She said, Sarah, that is so profound. I never thought of that before. Um, And she had a really barky little Shiba Inu mix. Um, And you know, we were able to kind of move forward and address the barking as as an issue easier once she understood that the dog didn't realize that it was annoying or shrill or anything like that. And so maybe you're not consciously thinking that your dog um, is trying to annoy you, but I do think it's important for us to remember that it's so natural and normal for them and they have no concept that it might be irritating or a problem for us at all. So this is kind of a classic case of, you know, what Gene Donaldson um, would call the culture clash, right? We have two cultures coming together, dogs and people, two kind of different um, species that are trying to live together. And this is one thing that we clash on is that humans, by and large, hate barking. I don't know anybody that likes it. Um, And dogs bark. And they don't understand why barking might be a problem. So I'm going to go over kind of some common barking scenarios and what I think are good solutions. And I am also going to touch on common uses of aversive control on barking. So let's dive in. Um, One of the most common barking scenarios that I tend to hear about is crate barking. So... um, I did a webinar called Happy Crating for Fenzy Dog Sports Academy. I'm also going to be teaching a Happy Crating course for the uh, Fenzy Dog Sports Pet Professionals um, 
program, which when that program actually rolls out, I will do a lot of sharing about it and you will hear more about it. But essentially it's a program for pet professionals to learn how to better help their clients. It's not for you to help your dog um, if you're not a professional. And so it's kind of a special interest area of mine. I have a lot of dogs and I need them to be quiet in crates um, so that my life can be peaceful. <laughs> um, and so I work hard on it. So crate, uh, barking in the crate is a big one. The other one that I think a lot of pet dog trainers hear about is barking in backyards. So just kind of chronic backyard barking um, tends to be a problem. And it usually is a problem because we have neighbors. Um, if you don't have neighbors, it probably isn't a problem for you. But when you do have neighbors, barking is irritating to them. And so you will hear about it. And in order to kind of keep a peaceful neighborhood, you have to have a relatively quiet dog. And the other one um, is alarm barking or basically, basically the dog barking at stuff. So they heard a thing. And they kind of do that like, wah, 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 like, you know, really, really shrill, loud um, or deep, loud bark that is meant to, we kind of think is meant to alert everyone to the presence of something. So I'm going to go through crate barking, yard barking and alarm barking. Um, so in the crate, generally speaking, we have to teach them that that's a place to relax. So that's my whole premise on crating, is I teach them, I condition a relaxation response in the crate. The first way that I go about that when I'm introducing a puppy to the crate is I try not to put them in there if they're not tired. So I try to help them be tired, and then I put them in there. And then other times I'll put them in there with puzzle toys or things to chew, or I'll put them in there for their meal, so that they're basically the two activities that are done in the crate are eating and sleeping. And I don't put my puppies or my young dogs in scenarios where they can't handle themselves. So I would never crate them ringside in an agility uh, seminar or trial before they understand how to sleep in the crate and that sleeping in the crate is the best idea. And then there are some dogs who are going to struggle relaxing in the crate if agility is nearby for the rest of their lives. And that's a battle that I kind of choose not to fight. I, I ask the dog if they're capable of doing it. If they're not capable of doing it, I create them elsewhere and make sure that they are in as quiet of a place to create as I possibly can. Um, and then beyond that, if you've got like day long, like let's say you live in an apartment and you are hearing from your neighbors in the complex that your dog is barking in the crate all day, um, that could be indicative of a bigger problem. You may want to reach out for some help on separation anxiety, isolation distress. Maybe maybe it's just uh, the confinement distress. Maybe the dog is truly, um, truly upset about being confined. So that's not a barking issue. Barking in that case is a symptom of a bigger problem that must be addressed. And I find that to be the case kind of across the board. That barking is a natural, normal dog behavior. And when it is happening in excess, it is a symptom of something else. Um, and that other thing needs to be 
needs to be addressed, needs to be taken care of. And it is not fair to simply ask the dog to be quiet when we have not addressed um, the underlying issue. So they just kind of bark in the crate to be let out. Like you need them to hang out in the crate sometimes while you go about your business. Um, I would help them to understand that sleeping in the crate is a good idea by not putting them in there if they're not tired for a while and only putting them in there, you know, put them in there at random throughout the day with a puzzle to do like a frozen Kong. Um, And then let them out before they're finished with the Kong. So make them come out and take the Kong away. If they're not going to bite you about that, (laughs) which is another topic entirely. Um, And so helping them to relax in the crate is is a big deal. And I'll talk about some more um, tools that we might use in, in a little bit. But essentially, crate barking is either about the dog kind of demanding to be let out because they want to be let out. Um, and Or it's about the dog has not been trained to relax. Or it can be that they're truly distressed and then that actually needs to be addressed from a different angle. Barking in the backyard, again, you guys, big, big symptom of a larger problem. Um, I think that a lot of times if you're a pet professional, you get clients who feel that the kindest option for their dog is to leave them in the backyard all day when they're at work. Um, And that's when that yard barking tends to be a problem. Or maybe the dog has a dog door and has access outside and inside. And in this case, it is usually barking for um, self-entertainment because they are bored. And if you increase the enrichment levels in the dog's life, you often solve it. So that means stop feeding out of bowls, feed only out of puzzle toys. Make sure you take your dog for a nice decompression walk before you leave for work. Um, And then something that I've mentioned before that is sometimes helpful is... um, providing some backyard types of enrichment so you can hide food in the backyard but you can also provide olfactory enrichment um you can buy animal urine scent from a hunting supply store and you can kind of spread that around in different places you can rotate which scents you put out there and now the dog's having an olfactory experience in the backyard that they weren't having before um that they will find interesting um And then, you know, generally speaking, you guys, we got to make sure that dogs are not just left alone for long periods of time in the backyard. Hire a dog walker to come and take your dog off property for a nice walk in the middle of the day. Um, And then maybe, you know, my sister's a professional dog walker and she stuffs Kongs all the time. So she'll come, she'll take the dog for a walk, she'll take the dog home, stuff a Kong for them and give them a Kong before she leaves. If you provide her with the stuff and the Kong, she's so happy to do that. Now the dog's day is broken up in such a way that they're not outside barking all day because they got to have a walk and a Kong and a visit. Um, And that's just about basic dog care, you guys. If you feel like you don't have the time or the money to provide basic dog care, then you're just going to want to, you know, reach for some other solutions. Maybe you have a friend that doesn't, can't have a dog for whatever reason that would like to come spend time with your dog, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So barking in the backyard tends to be about um, either they're barking at stuff, so it's alarm barking, which we're going to get to, or they're just barking out of boredom. 
Um, and in that case, solving the boredom is the way that you get around the barking. So lastly, um, let's talk about alarm barking a little bit. So when dogs just kind of notice a thing and then have to alert the entire universe to the thing. Um, <laughs> this is a strong breed trait in a lot of dogs. Um, it exists strongly in some dogs and not in others. It also tends to be a little bit cultural. So if you've got one alarm barker and you add another dog to the household, you will soon have two alarm barkers and so on. Um, for me, if my dogs alarm bark at something, I tend to go see what it is, kind of acknowledge to them that I see what it is. Um, and then I ask them to do something else and then I feed them for doing it. So if they bark at the UPS guy, I go, I look, I get the, you know, maybe I get the box off the porch, maybe I don't. And then I ask them to go to a station or a bed or a crate and then I feed them. And I usually feed them with a scatter at that point. So a handful of food on the ground. And then by the time they're done eating the food and their head comes up and they're back on earth, uh, the UPS guy is gone and they don't have to bark anymore. If you respond like that, if you step in and say, yes, I see what you're alerting me to. Now, will you please do this? Um, now you're kind of on the same page because the dog is saying it's very, very important for me to tell you that things are happening. And if you just fight them and ask them to shut up and come to the crate or whatever, um, now you're just fighting a losing battle because you are not on the same page. So I tend to go, I look out the window. And whether they understand this or not, you guys, I, jury's out. I don't know. My guess is that they do. And the reason that I guess that is because of the large body of research, growing body of research, um, that indicates dogs are excellent at understanding us and our facial expressions and our emotions and the things that we're doing. And I think they live so well in our environments because that they are so wonderful at figuring us out. So I go, I look out the window. And then I ask them to do something else, and then I pay them with a scatter. If they are chronically alarm barking throughout the day, you need, when you're not there and you can't do anything about it, you need visual barriers. And you also need auditory barriers. So you need them to not be constantly startled or alarmed. That's why they're barking, you guys, because something freaked them out for a second. It's not about fun. It's about, oh God, there's a thing, there's a thing, there's a thing. And I just don't want them to have that response all day in and day out when I'm not home. So if I leave my dogs, my dogs will alarm bark. Um, like I said, if a delivery guy pulls into the driveway um, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, on a rare occasion, stray dogs, um, I live in kind of an interesting place. So sometimes stray dogs will um, wander across the two-lane highway and onto our property so they'll alarm bark about that which honestly that's something I want to know about because I've lost chickens before to these dogs um these are the kinds of things that they alarm bark about and if they're home by themselves I don't want them to be doing that all day because it's not good for them. I don't actually have neighbors who that's going to bother, but it's not good for them to be having that constant startle response. So they're generally speaking, I've got, you know, I play music for them. I put them in crates. I draw the blinds. I play music for them. I try to make it kind of dark and um, I don't want them to be able to look out and I want them to be I don't want them to hear stuff as well so I play music um, pretty loud usually 
and I draw curtains and if they're in crates, uh, a couple of my crates, they can kind of see shadows from the door. So I just put towels on top of the crates or blankets on top of the crates so that they can't see those shadows. Um, so cutting out the stimuli that are causing the alarm barking, if you're not there to address it is best. Um, I've had people who maybe weren't interested in crating their dogs um, and maybe drawing the blinds isn't working so well. I've had people use um, window, these kind of window cling things where the dog um, can can no longer see out the window. They can maybe see shadows, but they can't see people. Um, that's been pretty effective for some of my clients or maybe just blocking the dog in the back of the house so that the front of the house is not accessible to them is sometimes a better idea. And this all goes for the yard as well. Again, allowing them access to the yard while you're gone all day opens them up to alarm bark at things that you can't control. You can't play, you know, Beethoven Pandora super loud in your backyard and you can't cut out all of the visual stimuli. Even if they've got, um, if they've got a privacy fence, maybe you're cutting out the visual stimuli, but you've got to remember that their primary sense is scent and their secondary sense is probably hearing. So we've got to cut those things out as well if we want to reduce that alarm barking. Um, and then what do we do about these dogs that are just kind of loud? Um, there are genetic predispositions for barking, certainly. We know that because it runs in breeds. It's a breed trait. Um, I've got one Australian Shepherd in my house, and they are kind of known for being barky, and she certainly is the barkiest of all the dogs. The rest of the dogs are Border Collies. Um, and... In my opinion, that's kind of just what you signed up for if you get an Aussie or a Sheltie. Um, and from day one, you might want to be having the conversation with your dog of, when, of how to stop. So if they start, ask them to stop and then feed them. So just literally train them a quiet cue. And I would do that by just saying quiet and throwing food. And then pretty soon you say quiet and the dog quiets and looks expectantly for the food and then you throw the food so you first just kind of produce it by throwing food and then you then you um kind of wait for the behavior to occur before you throw the food super easy super simple um but just be on top of it from day one because they're loud they just are and um some lines of border collies are kind of loud and some are not and when I'm seeking a puppy, it's one of the questions I ask. Um, I want to know if the dogs, primarily I want to know if they bark during work. Because if they're fully capable of thinking, functioning, and following instruction while barking, then they're a loud breed, or a line. They're a loud dog. They're a barker. Um, most of the Border Collies that I know, or and definitely the ones that I have, if they're barking at me during training, it's because I royally screwed up. Um, they're not in a thinking mode if they're barking. They won't be barking if they are listening and functioning. Whereas Ghost can, Ghost is the Aussie, she can fully bark the entire time she's running the course um, and be perfectly fine and perfectly responsive so it's just a question to ask your breeders too and if you don't like barking maybe the barky breed is not the one for you it's just something to think about um so what you're hearing from me is that I kind of take this 
this response. The first thing that I always want to do is look at the dog's behavioral wellness. That's the four steps. You guys heard me have heard me talk about it a million times. It is exercise, enrichment, nutrition, and communication. So if the dog's exercise is exercise levels are not appropriate, you're going to see more barking. If their enrichment levels are not appropriate, you're going to see more barking. And especially that um, barking alone during the day stuff, exercise and enrichment are going to solve them for you if the dog's not having separation anxiety. Um, and so I'm always going to look at health and wellness first, and then I'm going to look at my antecedents. I'm going to look at the actual environment that the dog is in and I always like to say manipulate the environment and not the dog whenever possible so just manipulate the environment that the dog is in that the dog has to be in to help them to be quieter so that's that's the way that I like to go through this and if you need to actively train quiet so the dog has been barking a long time. Um, this is a deep-seated, cheap behavior for them. And you need to actively train quiet. I like to do it with a device. The pet tutor has a barking function um, that allows the dog, to, that will actually teach the dog to be quiet for you. Um, because it spits food out at specified intervals. And if barking occurs, it there's a response cost. It stops spitting food for a minute. And then it um, then it comes back. And that's a very very layman's you know explanation of the device if you want more information about that you're going to want to seek that out from them and that's the pet tutor um but so I like to use a device because it's better at it than you are <laughs> because people are not good at um not responding to barking because we flinch and we make a face and we do a thing um, every time they bark because it is so hard for us to function through. I have had trainers whose dogs bark during training um, at the like first sign of any kind of minor, minor frustration. Like these are trainers who are not doing a poor job, but the dogs have just learned that barking is part of the training process. I have had people put on noise canceling headphones and go about their business and work on their mechanics and work on their communication so that they didn't flinch and respond every single time the dog barked because they can't hear it. They can see it, but it's not that. We actually have a, a pain response to certain kinds of barking. I did when I was, um, this one client I'm thinking of, when I was working with her, I mean, the dog about gave me a migraine. Um, <laughs> and I would have a really, I would, it would be impossible for me to not respond to the barking if I were trying to train that dog. So I said, how about some noise canceling headphones? Um, so that you can then just focus on your training, focus on your mechanics, try to keep everything as clean as you can, and then watch the barking just reduce on its own because you have cleaned up the mechanics of the session and you've got the noise canceling headphones on so you're not bothered by it. So I really like that antecedent arrangement for the people, too. Um, and now let's hit on just a couple of the really common uses of aversive control for barking. There's a reason. There are sophisticated devices that are designed to make dogs bark less. Uh, citronella spray collar, uh, electronic shot collar, there's also these things that you that um, emit kind of a painful sound 
for dogs um, that people can't hear when they bark. Um, lots of technology has been put towards this. I don't, I'm not for the ban of any of these tools, but I also am not for the usage of these tools. So why am I not for a ban if I'm not for the usage? I think that that gets down to um, kind of, you know, a little bit of the difference between maybe my ethics and somebody else's. I think that everyone's quality of life, dog and human both, should be considered when addressing any behavior problem. And generally speaking, no, I'm not for these tools. Also, I have seen these tools used in such a way that stress on the animal was minimal and the problem was solved. So while it's not, while they're not things that are on kind of my current table of tools, um, I'm not going to sit here and villainize somebody for whom it is on the table. And then another one that has been talked about really recently, um, especially because the Association of Pet Dog Trainers put out a position statement on it, um, is surgical debarking. So this is where the vocal cords are surgically cut by a veterinarian. Um, they're not removed. They're just damaged uh, by a veterinarian. And the dogs, they kind of just turn out raspy. So they can still bark. They do still bark, but it is muted. So it is not as bothersome to people. Um in my experience, this is not something that is widely known about by pet owners. It is widely known about by breeders and kind of dog show people. I know a lot of people who breed. I, I could name five different individuals of at least three or four different breeds right now off the top of my head who routinely debark their dogs. Um, and these are lines of dogs that they've produced themselves. So they breed, let's say, Shelties, for instance, and they routinely debark them. This is very, very common in Shelties. Um, and again, I am not really, I'm not for this procedure, but I am also not um, at so adamantly opposed that I think it should be removed. And there are elective surgeries that I think should be illegal, um, and this is not one of them. So... Why? Well, to me, number one, um, I have seen, I have seen dogs have major, major anxiety because of a bark collar. Um, I have seen dogs turn their barking kind of energy onto themselves and self-mutilate because they're wearing a bark collar. And that's not something I've witnessed with debarking. Um, I think that it allows sometimes for dogs and people to live a little more peacefully together. And if that is the case, then okay, then I'm, then I'm okay with it. Again, quality of life for the humans in the household needs to be considered um, too. And that's something that, you know, in a recent discussion, um, some of my colleagues were saying about it. And I think it's smart. We do need to think about people as well. I need to be very clear, though, because I can already just see the emails coming in. Debarking surgically is not is also not on my table. It's not one of my tools that I could see myself reaching for. But when I was training pet dogs, I had a client who had a Sheltie. She was an elderly woman living in... Um, 
a kind of low-income housing situation that she had to live in. And she was facing getting rid of the dog or being evicted because of the barking. And it, she was going to court and it needed to be, it needed to be something that had to be done quickly. And we absolutely did provide the dog with better exercise and better enrichment. Um, and this is a person who could not afford a dog walker um, because she's in, you know, a financial situation that unfortunately a lot of elderly people find themselves in, in this country. And she also, I don't think it's fair to say then she shouldn't have a dog because again, her quality of life matters. And this dog was this woman's sole companion. Um, you know, her children had moved away. She was a widow and this dog was everything to her. Which is why she, you know, scraped together the cash to do a consultation with me. And we discussed surgical debarking. Um, it is the only time, actually, in my career that I have discussed it with a client. And we increased the enrichment. We increased the exercise. She actually wound up not, not debarking the dog um, because she was able to demonstrate with uh, my help to the court um, that she was being brought to, that she was taking efforts um, to help the dog bark less. And they it wound up all being okay. But I would have been fine with her um, having this surgery done. I actually knew a veterinarian that at the time where I was living who did it uh, routinely and did it well. So I wasn't worried about, you know, complications or anything like that. So it's one of those things that um, isn't something that I'm glad doesn't have to come up for me, but that's because of my clientele now versus my clientele then. And I think that, you know, no, it's not a positive reinforcement tool. It's not. It's a surgery. The surgery is not benign ever, um, but I don't think it's different from talking to someone about neutering uh, their intact male who is maybe fighting with their other male in the house. Um, I don't think it's different. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, so that's barking. Again, just to kind of reiterate, it's typically a symptom um, of a larger problem. It's not a problem in and of itself. When dogs bark in excess to the point that it is a problem and not just an annoyance, it tends to be about um, a larger issue. And that larger issue needs to be addressed. And usually increasing your enrichment and your exercise does address it pretty well. So of course, as always, share your thoughts over on the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training! <laughs>